This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Zena Wiest, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Xpian, Janray, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Hey, welcome to episode 108 of Social Pros. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as usual by Jeffrey K. Roars, a recovering attorney and now marketing expert from Exact Target Marketing Cloud, a Salesforce.com company, and Zena Wiest from XBeyond. How are you guys? Doing great. So I think you're leaving for South by Southwest here any day, right? Tomorrow, next day, something like that. It's time to go. Like you, right and early tomorrow. Yeah, you'll probably be uh, j- had just landed by the time this podcast actually hits um, hits the iTunes and the Stitcher. So hopefully you will still be uh, upright. I am missing South by Southwest again this year. Uh, it makes me sad because I know so many uh, friends and clients will be there, but uh, it's always during my kids' spring break. So I've decided to uh, spend a little time with them, and I have a, another uh, speaking gig elsewhere in the country. So going to try and do that, and I will be following along uh, on the hashtags. Jeff, you're uh, you're speaking at the conference, are, are you not? I am. I'm doing a book reading of audience on Monday, uh, the 10th at 11 a.m., and then doing a book signing at the uh, conference bookstore there in the convention center uh, right after at 11:20. And have just realized that uh, I am uh, on opposite uh, Edward Snowden's keynote. So, if uh, if you want to avoid the NSA, come to my <laughs> book reading because they'll they'll all be at his keynote. They will all be there. Uh, and I got to tell you, I don't know a lot about Edward Snowden's background, but I can almost say with uh, full confidence that you, my friend, are a much better speaker than uh, than Edward Snowden. Well, thank you very much. I can also keep a secret. But... <laughs> I, I can I can actually uh, I can actually back that up. Zena, uh, what are you doing at the show? You guys is XPN doing a party? Are you just hanging out? Are you just looking for a taco truck? What is your What is your agenda? Well, definitely we'll be looking for the taco truck. But we've got two panels um, happening: one on Saturday afternoon, one on Sunday afternoon. The one on Saturday is with large global brands talking about how they're taking social global. And then on Sunday, it's the future of all things connected with Bonnenbau, Gary V, and David Shing of AOL. So both should be really fun. And if anybody wants to get an invite, they just need to go out to our blog and details are there and they'll be able to get registered for those. Nice. That's a great lineup. Yeah, well, I know. It's going to be really exciting. Well done. Well, let's get into today's uh, special guest who uh, is not responsible for transporting either of you uh, to the event, but has been responsible for transporting me in different places. Uh, And that is our friend Greg Hounslow from WestJet up in Canada. Greg, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm happy to be uh, on the podcast with you guys today. And I didn't know you flew with us. That's great to hear. Oh, I have indeed. Uh, I'm up there quite a bit. You know, I'm probably in Canada uh, eight, ten times a year. So uh, I have uh, I have been part of the WestJet uh, emerging empire in my past and enjoyed it very much. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, hopefully, some of this stuff uh, that we're going to talk about today here, you can uh, you can vouch for. I will do my best. Uh, but for those uh, folks who who uh, 
are primarily in the States, or we also have a lot of listeners in Europe and, and in Asia as well, uh, who perhaps haven't experienced WestJet. Maybe you could uh, describe a little bit about the airline and sort of how, where you fit into uh, the, uh, the, the avionics uh, world at this point. Um, so WestJet, we are a Canadian airline. Uh, we refer to ourselves as Canada's most preferred airline after we're doing some market research into who people like to fly with the most, and it, it is us, apparently. Um, in terms of size, we're the second largest airline in Canada. Um, just celebrated our 18th birthday a couple days ago, and uh, we fly to over 80 destinations in Canada, United States, Mexico, Caribbean, uh, Central America, and soon we're crossing the pond over to uh, our first European destination in Dublin, Ireland. So we operate uh, over 400 flights per day and, uh, you know, upwards of 50,000 what we call guests or what other airlines would call passengers. Uh, we, we welcome over 50,000 people on board every single day. Why Dublin, of all places in Europe, did you start out? Um, we're flying, uh, the, the main type of aircraft that we fly is a 737, the Boeing 737 series, and um, most of the transatlantic flights you'll see operated on a wide-body aircraft, uh, which has a longer range and or a larger seat capacity. Um, so we're actually using the same type of aircraft that we fly throughout most ah. of our fleet. Um, and so we're going to be doing flights from St. John's, Newfoundland over to, to Dublin. So uh, Dublin is within the range of our plane. That's and as far as you can go. Sure. Link. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I yeah. mean, there is a few more places over in that that area of Europe we could get to, but it's there's a natural link between St. John's and between Dublin, so we, we think it's going to be a very popular route, and if bookings are any indication, it's definitely going to be a popular one. Nice, that's fantastic. I, I believe your title is Emerging Media Advisor uh, at WestJet. Maybe you could tell uh, the Social Pros listeners sort of what that means and kind of what your role is day-to-day -day there at WestJet. Yeah, so I am Emerging Media Advisor, and uh, basically I take care of all things social at WestJet. Uh, my role was created just over four years ago, so I've been I've been in it for for yeah just over four years, and uh, we are structured in that I sit on the communications team and essentially act as a centralized conduit for all things social within WestJet. So. Um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, the WestJet blog that also sort of falls on my desk uh, and, and within a few other people that work on our team. Um, and so we, we yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a unique kind of a setup, but it, uh, it works really well for us. And, um, you know, we, we coordinate with a, a large variety of teams within WestJet. Um, we chose Emerging Media as the, as the title of the team simply because it is social media, but there's always something new coming up. Uh, I always use the example that when I started, there was no such thing as Instagram. And now Instagram is a very well-recognized platform that a lot of brands are on. And so there is something constantly emerging about it. And so that's why we've named it the Emerging Media Team. And you've been in that role, what, almost five years now, right? Uh, you've been doing this, obviously not exactly the same, but, but somewhat in that role for almost five years. What would you say has changed uh, the most during that period? I know a lot of things have changed in social, but, but when you sort of look back uh, at your career uh, on the social side, what are the big things that have evolved since you got it started? I think there's there's been a, a large shift just in general of how the general population uses social media, and so that naturally has an impact on my role and uh, you know what my day-to-day -day activities are. I still remember the first time I posted something on Facebook back in 2009, and I posted photos, and it was the most amazing thing, and everybody seemed to like it, and and that's still true today. So I think the content that we share is is very similar, but how people use social media and the expectations that they have and 
we're fairly unique in that we're an airline and people tend to have very high expectations of airlines in terms of uh, the, the communication they get from us and, and whatnot. So I think that's definitely changed. Uh, there's There's been a number of sort of high profile travel industry, uh, whatever you want to call them, social media fail or social media win. Um, and so I think how people view that has definitely changed a lot as, as there's more people on Twitter and there's, there's more people, you know, now actively using their social channels to, to broadcast their own messages out. So it's definitely changed a lot on how, how my role has uh, evolved. We were talking before the show began uh, about using social to communicate with audiences uh, in, 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 scale, right? Sort of at scale. And now that more and more of your flyers uh, and your guests are using social, it becomes more efficient to use social as a primary contact mechanism. And of course, we've all complained on this show uh, and elsewhere about this year's winter, which has affected uh, large parts of the US and Canada. Uh, and you were saying that, that the Toronto airport, which I think is is uh, your second largest airport or maybe your largest uh, that you fly from, actually shut down uh, due to weather and you used social media in part to, to let people know what was happening. Can you take us through sort of that case study and, and how that materialized? Yeah, definitely. It was a great example for how social media can benefit um, our guests and, and ourselves as a company as well too to use it as a mechanism to get information to people. So uh, what happened was at the beginning of January on uh, the night between January 6th and 7th, Toronto Airport shut down completely uh, due to weather. It was essentially just an ice uh, ice sheet, the entire airport, runways, everything. So not only could planes not land or take off, the ground crews, crews also couldn't maneuver planes or uh, baggage tractors and tugs around on the, the ground. And so um, we were essentially forced to cancel uh, huge amounts of flights. And so, of course, you've got uh, thousands of people standing inside the airport terminal, what's going on, um, just due to the volume. Uh, it's, it's challenging for any organization, any airline of any size to say, okay, here's the, here's the plan, here's what we're going to do. And of course, the, the desire from everybody is to have a plan, you know, shared with them within five minutes and, and everybody would be happy. But, you know, it wasn't the case. So we, we had to do our best to, to find out what, what the situation was. We had a, numerous operational conference calls going on and we got all of our information together and then we said okay let's let's take this information let's share it out as widely as we can so that everybody who is either in Pearson or Toronto Pearson Airport right now who potentially could be flying through there in the next few days or who is wondering why their plane isn't in another city like it's supposed to be has an idea what's going on so we posted an update on the WestJet blog and uh, over the course of the next few days, as the situation unfolded, we did uh, a total of five different updates to the blog with new information. So it included specific information about flights. So there were some flights that were literally stranded on the ramp and we basically had to say, okay, we finally got you into a gate. Now go down to the baggage area um, and head on out, but you're not gonna have your bags. We'll let you know when your bags are able to be offloaded off the aircraft, um, which was a unique situation because the airport authority told us, you can get the people off, but you can't get the bags off. Move that plane off that wow. gate. We need it for something else. So we had a total of, I think, five or six flights that we brought in that basically people walk off and, 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 and bags stay on the plane. So once we knew that those bags had been offloaded, we did updates to say, you know, baggage from this flight from, uh, you know, Las Vegas or Vancouver or LaGuardia or wherever it was, you know, your bags are now in the, in the arrivals area. You can either go pick them up or, you know, you can wait to have them delivered, but with, tens or almost hundreds of thousands of bags for all airlines across the airport and you know just sitting on the floor it was a it was a messy situation for delivery so we said if you want your bags the fastest way to come get them is to come pick them up so these updates throughout time uh, definitely helped us share the information 
Of course, we posted links to Twitter and Facebook uh, to the blog post to say this is where you want to come for the up-to-date information. We had Robert Palmer, who is our uh, public relations manager, who is the, the gentleman who usually speaks with the media. We got him and uh, did a quick uh, video message that we uploaded to YouTube, which we embedded in the blog post to just explain the situation and, and sort of hopefully convey the the seriousness of how how big of a situation this was and and basically thank people for their patience you know as as we work as quickly as we can to get everything back to normal um, so it was a great a great way for us to to uh, share information and you know garnered a lot of a lot of comments on the blog post some questions but a lot of conversation amongst people um, that basically were saying you know this is when this is when patience, you know, is is so important. And I'm not there with you right now. Or some people saying I am there with you right now, and I'm I'm sitting back and I'm just going to go with the flow, um, you know. While others, you know, complained uh, vehemently that they were being wronged or whatever. And it was, yeah, it was a really interesting thing for us to see that how this evolved, and um, it it became such a good tool for us that we linked to it off of the uh, advisories page on our website. Um, our contact center people were. When people would call in, they would drive people to the blog and say, it's the main post on the WestJet blog. Go check it out. All the information yeah. you need is there. The yeah. links to flight status, baggage tracking, everything's there. So, yeah, it was great. Nice. Very nice. I'm, I just want to confirm that your public relations manager isn't English singer-songwriter Robert Palmer from Addicted to Love and Simply Irresistible Fame. That's a different... <laughs> It's a different Robert Palmer, yes. It is. It is a different Robert Palmer, indeed. Yes, he uh, he hears That's that too a bad. lot. That's too bad because uh, that would be amazing. You know I just found out he's a bit of a musician himself, so he likes he likes karaoke and whatnot. But he's he's go. a great guy to work with. Tons of experience in the industry, and and I and I work very closely with him on on uh, on the the external communication side of things and the PR side of things. So it's a great mix to have somebody like that uh, working working on our team. Well, and you actually come out of the customer service side of things yourself. And uh, we've had, of course, a number of people on the show, 109 or 108 guests in the past. And, and I would say uh, it's it's sort of split down the middle. Uh, social media professionals who come from a customer service background versus come from a marketing background. As you mentioned, airlines in particular are held to a pretty high standard in terms of their responsiveness and the response times in social. Do you feel that somebody in your role uh, for an airline almost has to come at social from that customer service context? I think it's not 100% necessary, but specifically in the airline industry, it's incredibly valuable just because it's such a complex industry and there's so many small details that actually make a big difference at the end of the day for what we can and cannot do. Uh, we are regulated to, so that to a certain extent there's certain things that we just can't do. Um, being a publicly traded company there's a, a bunch of other things that go into the mix but having an operational background when somebody tweets and asks us how is it possible that my bag went missing off of a one-hour non-stop flight it helps a lot because I can, I can actually say, yes, this is exactly how it happens. It's either human error or the baggage belt system sent your bag to the wrong place, you know, or, or a variety of different reasons. So you can have a conversation with the person and hopefully explain it a little better. And so that when, you know, when their bag eventually shows up to them, they have a greater understanding of how, how the operation works. And airlines are very complex. Uh, you know, most people just show up to the airport and check in for their flight and drop their bags off, go get on the plane, go to their destination, arrive. But there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of things that happen in the backgrounds that that are so complex. So it, it definitely helps. And I think I I wouldn't have been as successful in my role if I didn't have five years of operational background and and have come from from WestJet. Uh, you know, both in the sense of the operations, but in terms of the the, the culture of WestJet and the brand yeah. itself. That's that's so important to to understand the company very uh, in depth. Uh, 
when you're when you're trying to uh, become the brand voice in the in the social world. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is that on your Twitter account page, you actually list your operating hours of of sort of when you are staffed to handle customer inquiries uh, via Twitter. I'm sure you remember the British Airways issue from a few months ago where where they uh, or a, or a code share partner lost somebody's bags. Uh, and it was after their stated operating hours on Twitter, uh, but the aggrieved passenger actually bought a promoted tweet on Twitter and blasted British Airways. Uh, what's your take on that? I mean, I, I've always said as a consultant, hey, the best practice is to set expectations by listing the hours that you are available. But then you have circumstances like this where somebody's like, I don't care what you say your hours are. I, I demand uh, to be to be dealt with instantaneously how do you feel about that? Is that disheartening? Do you feel it's just sort of the, the price of entry in today's age when everybody's got a computer in their pocket? What's your take on it? Um, I think for, you know, for, from an airline perspective, and, and I remember that British Airways situation, uh, you know, very clearly, it was a, it was a unique thing in the fact that the person actually bought a promoted tweet. That was something that, that none of us had ever seen before. So that sort of changed the ballgame a little bit in that sense. Um, but I think the expectations from people um, are that there's more coverage and that there's more hours of, of, of service and that sort of thing. Um, but like you said, it is it is important to set the expectations. And, and currently, as we are uh, set up, we're not 24-7. We potentially could be that way in the future. And I think that, you know, that would make a lot of sense if, if we are able to support that and have the, the necessary training and for the people that are, that are going to be, uh, you know, on, on our accounts and, and responding on our behalf. But definitely... Setting expectations helps, but there there are certain people that just no matter no matter what you you know have in your Twitter bio, they they don't care. They want instant action right now. And so the beauty of of the way that we have it set up and and the sort of the the fact we're a ten thousand person company, but we are still consider ourselves a small company, and a lot of people know um, who the emerging media team members are and everything. If if something goes sideways at ten p.m. or at midnight or whatever it is. Um, you know, my phone starts beeping a lot. Um, I get people sending me DMs, text messages, uh, emails, calls, whatever it is to say, hey, there's there's some guy that's, uh, you know, that's going off on Weshit right now. And, and we'll jump on after hours if, if necessary to check things out. Um, we only started putting our hours of operation on our on our Twitter account and actually signing out with a tweet at the end of the night to say we're, we're logging off now, we'll be back in the morning. We only started doing that a you know a, a few months ago. So up until that point, we we never s- signed out out in the evenings. We just kind of kept one eye on it. Um, but as a from a burnout perspective and 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 whatnot, it, it's it's tough to do. And I mean, in in my own personal Twitter profile, I'm the father of twin boys, and so when that happened, you know, can I sit there until two o'clock in the morning every uh, every day, uh, you know, reading WestJet mentions? Maybe not, right? So so the the real life aspect comes into play. Um, but as as a large company, you know, we we, we do look at it and say, okay, how, how can we possibly resource this and, and provide a greater uh, variety of support um, so that we can provide service on, on social media around the clock? And so it is something that we're considering and looking at right now. Hey, Greg, this is Jeff Roars, and uh, I live in the beautiful burg of Cleveland, Ohio. And WestJet hit my radar not because of travel, but because of your uh, wonderful Christmas miracle YouTube video. Uh, last holiday season, and uh, I'm a big fan of trying to understand the how this came about and the nitty-gritty to make a moment like that uh, that I imagine exceeded your expectations in terms of how it went viral, but could you provide the listeners with a little bit of background 
uh, on that particular campaign and, and what it took to execute it? Definitely. Um, and, and you're not alone in the fact that we, we flew onto your radar, uh, pun intended, with, with a YouTube video. There's the, the worldwide reach on, on that video w- was, was quite amazing. And so there was a lot of work that went into it. Um, and uh, so essentially the, how, it, how it came about was back in 2011, we started uh, looking at the experiential marketing realm and, and, and in conjunction with our sponsorship team at the time, which is now sponsorship and experiential marketing, um, we started looking at how we could link the real world with the digital world and, and create some unique experiences for our guests. And so um, we, we actually did a Christmas flash mob in 2012. So that's what we, we kind of talk about as our uh, version 1.0 of the, of the Christmas campaign. And so we, brought a boarding lounge to life uh, just before a red-eye flight from Calgary to Toronto, and we had uh, a lot of WestJet volunteers um, that sort of essentially turned the boarding lounge into the North Pole, and we, we went into it with fairly, fairly low expectations um, and with you know, the understanding that we wanted to create a fun video but also create an experience for people that were there. Um, and so, I mean, we, we highly exceeded our expectations. I think originally we, we uh, on that particular one, we had around 500,000 views and 26 million media impressions. And so as time went on, we, we, uh, we said, okay, well now how can we, how can we exceed that one? What else can we do? And so the, the team got together and um, uh, met with Studio M, which was the, the, the team that sort of helped conceptualize and help come up with the video idea of, about what did, what did real-time giving look like, because we wanted to incorporate the real-time giving aspect into this particular one. And, um, you know, a bunch of different ideas were tossed around, and eventually the technology pieces uh, started to come into play. So the, the virtual Santa box and, and the, you know, the command center back in, back in our head office to sort of coordinate all the, the, uh, these things that were happening. And, and, and you know, if you haven't seen the video, definitely check it out on YouTube it's 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 quite a fun video but essentially we we took uh, the a virtual Santa box in either Toronto or Hamilton airports and we you know we, we set that up and then as people scanned their boarding pass we got their information because they gave it to us when they booked their flights so we knew their names and we knew where they were going and we knew what seat they were sitting in and we had a checklist to make sure we got every single person on on each flight or as many people from the flight as we could and then we we got Santa to uh to, to find out what they wanted for Christmas and 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 then put uh, put that uh, you know into play as soon as their flights took off. We had a team of people that were were back in uh, Calgary scrambling around to to buy all the gifts to give to them when they arrived. So it it was you know we didn't really know how it would work out. Um, we had a pretty good sense once we saw the 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 video footage, and I think we had. I think we had 19 hidden cameras um, in the in the arrivals area and some on the yeah, plane. Like we had quite the production. I remember thinking. Oh yeah. As I was watching it. Yeah, and so so we we um we had a guy in the plane with a GoPro camera strapped to his chest so we could get a, a real quick in in the actual plane uh, footage and and whatnot and and then of course we had 150 WestJet employees that were volunteering in the arrivals area to sort of one dressed up as the gingerbread man and then there was the people in their uniforms and then of course. Uh, we had the real Santa Claus because it is the real Santa Claus. Just in case you were wondering, <laughs> um, he came down and and it was it, it was it was you know that was the event on the day of that happened in November and then we um you know then we said okay we've got the video now how do we execute that in in the digital world so obviously we're going to upload it to YouTube and we're going to push it out but we had a, a a very in depth strategic communications plan that we put together to to help get that message out um, so that included everything from 
social media, uh, you know, like promoted posts on Facebook and Twitter, WestJet blog posts. Uh, we had an interactive press release. We had a broadcast media tour. And that was one of the biggest pieces of success for this video that really springboarded it um, into the media world and, and, you know, and beyond the, the traditional bounds that we usually have. Um, of course, reactive media uh, relations. So Robert Palmer and his team were, were doing media interviews through in the days following that. And we also had internal awareness within WestJetter. So 10,000 employees uh, taking great pride in the video and, and you know, how our brand is portrayed and how we, how we truly feel as, as, as employees of the company. You know, this, this type of feeling is something that we, we hold on to and we, we take a lot of pride in. And so those 10,000 people sharing it out uh, themselves um, what led to you know another great amount of success and of course I mean having the video picked up on on the view and on all the various you know news stations in the states was was one of the things that really made it take off but once we start receiving YouTube messages from TV stations in Poland and from Japanese news and from everything else we, we realized we had something pretty big so um, it was a, a unique process to put it all together um, but it definitely wasn't something that we just sort of threw threw together at the last minute. It was very well thought out. There was a lot of strategy behind it, and we had had uh, a lot of you know mild successes in the social world in the past. Um, you know, we were very well known for our April Fool's jokes. You know, which which we like to the, do. The Cargo Kids, right? In in 2012, where they, you uh, you quote unquote introduced uh, kid free cabins. Exactly right. So and and I mean so that's that sort of thing. We'd we'd we had a bit of a formula on on what what do what do people like to watch? What do people share? Why do they share it? Um, so we had a little bit of a formula for that, and um, that was really what what helped um, put you know what helped us put the details into this particular Christmas miracle project that we that we we were coming together because we the, the big difference. I mean, if you look at one. Uh, April Fool's joke, you know, of, of 700,000 views on YouTube or, or a Christmas flash mob of 500,000 views. And then you, you jump up to 35 million views, which is what the Christmas video has. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the big difference in it is the, it's that, uh, you know, it's that emotional connection. And, and so, you know, cargo kids, anybody who's ever been on a plane with a kid can understand, oh, how great would it be if there's no kids on this plane, right? So we kind of played the joke on that side of things. Um, by you know introducing this fake new product, um, but the Christmas piece it was it was you know it, it's an emotional time of the year. Families are important. Everybody's you know it's it's stressful for everyone, and so to bring the joy of the season out like that in, in the way that we 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 did was was really really you know good for us. And I think that's one of the big things of why it, it had so much pickup. So you know beyond the the social media reach, the PR bump, were there other uh, tangible business results? that the Christmas Miracle video uh, brought as you moved into, uh, I guess, that, that ran uh, in, uh, or at least you had published it in December of 2013, but has it brought forward into this year some new opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the big question in the social world is how do you measure ROI? And in this particular case, um, we had some quite dramatic results that we, we, uh, we saw. So um, specifically uh, in the same, so, in the in the time period right after the video, right up until the end of the year, so December 10th to to, to December 31st of that year, our normal expected revenue uh, coming in coming in the door through our website, um, you know, from years previously and and specific to the year past, revenue increased by 86 percent, um, and the number of bookings increased by 77 percent, and the number of visits to our website was was up 100 percent. So obviously the um, 
the conversion rate on our website was was down quite a bit because a lot of people were just typing in westjet.com to come check us out and see who we are or where we fly or or whatever. Um, but definitely there was a, a distinct increase in 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 uh, tangible business results and wow. you know money to the bottom line, which was interesting to see because. Um, there was no call to action. There's no retail call to action in the video. Right. It was just straight up. Here's our brand. Here's a cool video. We hope you like it. We hope you have a, you know happy holidays. And then for that to turn around and have revenue increasing by 86 percent over that time period um, was was quite quite interesting to see. Um, of course, you know going forwards, the, one video doesn't necessarily change how WestJet will operate in the future. You know in terms of our business plan because we have a very specific business plan of slow and steady growth, adding new airplanes, new destinations, and all that sort of thing. But it does bring a, a unique aspect to the table of that. You say, okay, well, we, we've now shown that we can bring in extra revenue by doing something that, sure. that reinforces our brand. So, you know, so this now, is this a tool that we could potentially have in our toolbox for the future? And so, um, so that definitely uh, causes some interesting questions. And, and so I think it'll well, definitely be something we consider. The, the other thing that strikes me is, was this, was this humanity, was this humor always part of the brand, or did the team's creative brainstorming, empowered by social media and YouTube, help draw this out of the brand? Um, I'm looking I, for the chicken and the egg there. Yeah, you know what? I think our, uh, our brand since day one, so since we launched in 1996, we've always had fun, friendly, and caring as our sort of key three key words of our brand. And um, anybody who's sort of flown with us will will probably recognize that it's it's something that we do. We don't have a, a canned in-flight announcement. You know, we have our flight attendants actually making a, a personalized announcement. Um, obviously, you have to cover all the various different things they talk about in announcements. But you know, some some people do it in a Dr. Seuss type rhyme. You know, so um, it, you know, you'll see some of the other airlines out there doing these really awesome in-flight safety videos, which they put on YouTube and subsequently go viral. But we do them in person. So I think. That has always been an aspect of our culture, and so we've we've actually, you know, done our very best in in the past to highlight that aspect of our culture. Um, but I think this this video was was one of the things that having having the tools, having the YouTube video, having the social world, having that as a way to sort of really truly capture it and 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 you know show it in a video format. I think that people can watch and go, yeah, that's WestJet to me. That's exactly what it is like to fly with them. Great. Well, I look forward to you to you coming to the Cleveland market, and I will throw it over to my colleague, Zena, who I think has a question for you. I do. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you've got so much going on with all the content you're creating, with all the channels you're managing, wondering if you're doing this on your own, you know, internally with your team, or if you have any agency help with everything you've got going. Um, so we we do uh, maintain everything internally, um, though we do have help from other teams. So it's not simply just myself and one other person who's creating everything. So we we have uh, content that comes from a variety of sources. So so that'll include WestJet employees who will email us pictures from around the network of cool things they see. Um, obviously, some of the content comes directly from the emerging media team. Um, we have an internal creative services team who who create a lot of our videos, uh, a lot of the, the graphical elements of what we share in social media, but also our community investment team as well as our community investment partners. So we partner with six national uh, charities across Canada, um, as well as the sponsorship and XM team. So, so a lot of that content coming in sort of comes into us and then um, we as the emerging media team 
organize the content into the calendar and 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 publish it out. So we there's a, definitely a lot of coordination that goes on, but we definitely act as a centralized conduit for all the all the content that's coming in and all the asks of can we highlight this seat sale, can we highlight this route, and can we highlight this part of, of, of what we do in the, in the community and, and everything else. Um, we do coordinate with our media agency um, for certain things. Um, so we have a media agency, which is sort of like our ads agency, who books all the online ads for us. And then we also have our, our, um, our advertising agency, which is our creative agency. So we kind of coordinate with them a certain amount. Um, you know, the ad agency really specifically, it's for if we're going to activate any type of uh, sponsored Facebook posts or promoted tweets or, you know, anything like that, uh, Google ads or YouTube ads or whatever, we, we coordinate with them. But we're unique in that sense. Well, maybe not perfectly unique, but fairly unique in that sense in that we don't actually partner with an external social media agency um, for, for a lot of the social content. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And, and kudos to your team for and also just working across the board with all the different departments to you know, have that much robust content that is created internally. I mean, it, it really does speak to your brand, you know, the fun, friendly, caring element, because internally, I mean, the employees are going to get that and they're going to live and breathe it and the content is going to reflect that. So that's fantastic to hear. And I have one last question for you. It's on the Red Mile blog, which that it sounds like you founded that and you have been kind of the owner of that, the main content provider of that for over eight years. So I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about that and, and that hockey passion that you have. Yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely a big hockey fan. And, and so that was one of the uh, things that ended up um, helping me get the job that I'm in right now is that I, uh, as I was, uh, you know, working in the Westshed operational areas, uh, you know, for my first five years with the company, um, I, I was I was blogging on my own and I had my own hockey Twitter account and I was interacting with people in in the digital world and so um, that's something that uh, has always been a passion of mine and it was it was a sort of a lot of fun and 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 I, I still remember you know back in about 2005 2006 one of my New Year's resolutions was to work less and blog more um, and and I think that's that's sort of something that is, I've always enjoyed doing um, lately what I found with with uh, specific to Red Mile blog and, and the hockey things that I've been doing is is a matter of, of time and and you know I, I was the main content creator on on the blog and I've had a few other guest writers have come in over over the years and and help with a bit of content um, but it's always a big challenge to to you know have to watch the game you know analyze the game analyze all the plays analyze what's happening and then okay now I'm gonna put my blog post together and and I think you know it, it is a challenge for anybody and in specific to me you know that the birth of my twin boys a couple of years ago was was one of those things that uh, took away a lot of my time and as much as I'd love to be watching the hockey game I you know my responsibility as a father is to play with my boys and you know that kind of thing so it it definitely has ha had a bit of an impact on on that side of things um, but you know, I, I love it and I learned so much by, by being involved in it. And that was, that was one of the biggest things that, that helped me, you know, land the job that I'm in today. So I have no regrets about it at all. At 2005, that's phenomenal that you were, you were doing that back then. I think, I don't know, I think I started my blog in, blog in 2007. I don't know about you guys, Jay and Jeff, when you guys started blogging, but you were two years ahead of me, Greg. Mm, 2000, uh, 2008 for me. Yeah, I, I um, it, it was kind of funny because I my first blog that I that I ever launched my own personal blog was in 2004, and uh, really just used it as a way to connect with my family and and friends that weren't in the same city as me. And you know, I I realized the power of the the internet world and that 
I had people from Portugal and a girl from California who was, you know, constantly commenting on my blog and we, you know, became friends you know, with people across the world. And that, I think that type of thing, that realization, you know, it really it gives you a sense of the power of the social world is that it doesn't matter where people are, you know, it's, you can communicate with people anywhere. So it was definitely a good learning experience for me. Fantastic stuff from Greg Hounslow at WestJet. We'll be back with more from Greg at the end of the show in the two questions segment. First, I want to remind everybody that this podcast, Social Pros, is brought to you by the good people at Xbeon, who have a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. If you haven't seen the Xbeon software, you should give that a chance give yourself an hour take a look at their software do a demo they've got some amazing features that you don't find in a lot of other social media marketing and social media management systems fantastic for complex organizations with lots of people participating uh and lots of approvals and content um uh, checking in and checking out and calendaring. It's it's really slick. Uh, and the new interface is really nice as well. So if you haven't ch- checked out XBeyond recently, do that. Go to their website, xbeyond.com. That's E-X-P-I-O-N.com. Sign up for a free demo. They'll be in touch and they will set you straight. Give them a chance. Also want to remind everybody out there in social pros land that this podcast is brought to you as always by the good people at Exact Target Marketing Cloud, a salesforce.com company powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of thousands and thousands of companies all over this world of ours. Exact Target has uh, a really interesting uh, guide right now called the Definitive Guide to Mobile Messaging, uh, which has a lot of information on SMS, right? SMS is kind of, uh, we don't talk about it as much as we used to because there's all these other new things like Pinterest and Snapchat and uh, all these kind of things. But SMS is still a tremendous opportunity for marketers if you do it well. How do you do it well? A first step would be to read the Definitive Guide to Mobile Messaging. You should do that for free right now as soon as we're done here and check it out at ar.gy slash messaging that's ar.gy slash messaging that's the definitive guide to bumble messaging from exact target speaking of exact target uh jeff are you ready for the social media number of the week I am indeed Jay and Zena, and the number is 3,274,106. You know what it is. Calories ingested uh, at my company retreat in Mexico in January. Close. Another good guess would have been the number of calories digested in breakfast burritos at South by Southwest. (laughs) But the accurate number is, it is the number of retweets that the famous Ellen DeGeneres picture with all of the stars of the Oscars Holy cow. at this very moment that we're recording it. How many again? Tell me, what was the number again? What was it, three, three and a half million? million? 274,106. But wait a second. Let me refresh the page because that's part of the story. It's now 3,274,144. And in fact, when we began recording this, I took a count and it was 2,000 less. So in the time that we have been no way. recording this session, are you serious? In the last four, retweeted another two thousand thirty times. Yes. Holy and mackerel! That's a story about this that I don't think is going to be told very well because everybody's so burned out about seeing this photo, right? Uh, all the stars from the Oscars, the Samsung phone being used to take it. If only Bradley's arm was longer, all that kind of stuff. But this thing has a life of its own. It didn't just surpass the Obama's uh, re-election picture. It blew past it. That was in the 700,000, 760 range. 
This is about four times that and still growing 2,000 retweets per minute. Here we are as we record this now, three days after the Oscars. The other part of this that's really fascinating to me is it has been favorited 1.835 million times. So it has almost 50% of the amount of favorites as it has retweets, which suggests to me, and I don't know if you, you know, you've had this experience in your own life, I'm using the favorite, the little star feature, a lot more lately to bookmark things in Twitter so that I can easily go back and see things that, that I liked or that something yeah. mentioned or articles, and that really surprises me that the favorite count is that high on Twitter. I do that too. I have an IFTT set up um, that, that when I favorite something, it emails it to me. So I have the link and it also stores it uh, in a bunch of other places for me. And I, I use it the same way as, uh, as almost, uh, almost like what we used to use delicious for uh, is, is right. how I do uh, Twitter yeah. favorites. But look, I, I'm not the Isn't best person. There an to... opportunity there for Twitter. Isn't there something that perhaps right. should be either monetized or exposed more Twitter food way, cabinet in the minute we were just talking a hundred more retweets on that. Yep. Um, I mean, I just, I think that this tells a story about standing on the shoulders of giants, right? You've got one of the most followed people on Twitter taking a picture of <laughs> 12 celebrities. So it was bound to have amazing ripple effect. But beyond that, it's telling a story about, you know, where Twitter might be able to tap some untapped potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And for me, what I what I loved about it is, yeah, we've heard all about Samsung. We've heard about um, she really is an iPhone user, but she's using a Samsung because they sponsored it, right, for $20 million or some. But what I liked um, about what Samsung did after the fact, and I'm, I'm looking at my favorites on Twitter to find this tweet because I, I uh, favorited it to, so we could talk about it, but Samsung realizing the momentum this was getting on Monday came back with, this is going so well, we're going to contribute X to these, to these two charities. Yep, that are it, was $3 million. it was $3 million split to split two ways to Ellen's uh, two charities. And I believe one was St. Jude's and I think one was perhaps ASPCA or something to do with animals. Right. Something to do with animals. Yeah. Which I thought was, I mean, that's a neat way for them to take, you know, this and, and, you know, put some social good into, into it. So I thought that was really. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm so glad you raised that, Zena, because I actually sent that to a couple of folks in our organization because they were under no obligation to do that. Um, that was, you know, very much an organic sponsorship with the Oscars. Uh, Ellen was no, under no obligation to use that phone to take photos with it or do anything. So there is a little bit of serendipity there. Mm -hmm. um, that has happened and to have a brand recognize, holy smokes, we got what we invested in then some and then give that back. I think uh, it's such a good example. And by the way, while we've been talking now, we gained another hundred and uh, actually 200 more favorites. So the favorites on this, in that last couple of minutes, we're outpacing the retweets. Wow. Go figure. The personal lesson for me is that I am on record. You can look in my tweet stream and see it as when, when she was setting that shot up, um, my tweet was, Oh good. Now we can all watch, you know, the celebrities take a selfie. Um, this is really lame. That's exactly what I said. 
uh, I, I felt the whole thing was self-congratulatory claptrap that it was, look, we're, mm-hmm. look, we're famous. You're not look, we're being spontaneous, even though we're not, I thought the whole thing was complete and utter bullshit. Uh, but, but that shows that sometimes when you think, you know, what things are, uh, you are vastly wrong and I'm not afraid to admit it, even though I still think the whole thing was kind of stupid. Uh, when you got 3.2 million people and, and many thousands more per minute, uh, sharing and favoriting it. Um, I am not, uh, I'm not afraid to admit when I have misjudged the populace. And this is one of well, those if cases. We, if, we, if we deconstruct what happened, you know, that's something that everybody watching who has a smartphone has done with their friends. And here are the people doing it are, you know, friends at the upper echelon of the entertainment culture uh, that we built, that we that propelled entire magazines and television shows and TMZ and everything else. Um, so I, I can absolutely get your sentiment. There were certain things that, um, you know, kind of rubbed me wrong. Uh, but Ellen, I think, did a great job of kind of playing uh, to the humanity of those folks. And to see Jared Leto, who had just won an Oscar, sprint across the theater in order to get like three quarters of his head into that picture tells you something. I think that it, it's actually about, you know, that, that social and this technology can bring us together, can create this goofy excitement that, you know, strips away, you know, all of the, all of the, you know, the gowns and the, and the tuxedos and all of the pomp and circumstance. And these, you know, I'm looking at the photo now and these folks were just having a genuinely good time. This was goofy fun. I, I, I completely agree, um, Jeff. And what I loved about it too, is that, you know, Ellen was, was holding it up, you know, vertically. And Bradley goes, no, wait, wait, to get more, we need to go horizontal. And I'm like, how many times has that happened with, you know, with us, with the selfie, when we're doing it with someone who's never done a selfie before, you know, okay, wait, we got to turn it this way. Why do we need to turn it this way? Well, we'll get more. Oh, okay. And very real. Like these are just, you know, people that put their pants on the same way we do and, you know, take selfies just like we do. So yeah, it was pretty cool. The final punctuation for this segment, Jan, and I know you've got to go to most sponsors. The number is 3274-576. And that is a full 550 more than when, uh, I'm sorry, that's a full 2,550 uh, more than when we began wow. the, uh, the, the recording. Remarkable. Truly remarkable. Indeed, let me remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools for the public relations industry. Cision has a very fascinating new free tip sheet that you can download right now called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content. That's six tips to help amplify your content from the good people at Cision. Uh, I do not think one of the tips is have Ellen DeGeneres tweet it, but maybe that is. Maybe it should be seven tips to help you amplify your content. But for now, alas, it is just the six, but it is in fact free and you can get it right now at ar.gy slash amplify. That's ar.gy slash amplify. Also, this podcast, Social Pros, is brought to you by the good people at Jan Rain, leaders in social sign-in and social profile data collection. They do the social sign-in and the social database work for millions uh, of, uh, of consumers across tons and tons of big brands. They have a really important report that helps you figure out how to do login and registration and data collection better and smarter. You should download that. It's called the 2014 Consumer Login Behavior Report. It's from Jan Rain. You can get that at ar.gy gy slash profiles that's ar.gy slash profiles 
Zena, other than uh, than the big uh, Ellen hullabaloo, uh, do you have something else for Holy Social? I do. I do. And it's with the Academy Awards. It's the John Travolta, the Travoltify Your Name generator that popped up the day after the Oscars. Um, Slate.com created this app. Have you guys done, have you put your name in and had it um, mangled as John mangled um, Idina Menzel? I've um, mostly been on a plane. I've mostly been on a plane since then, so I've not uh, Travolta-ized myself, but let's do that. We should all do that. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so we'll put the link. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Josh Roz. You're Josh Roz. Um, I've got to do do mine here, and I'll tell you what mine is. But what what the great thing about this is and why I think it's a holy social, the numbers definitely – I'm Zara – Weezed. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so, you know, what happened basically is John was introducing um, the singer who was uh, singing Frozen, which actually won the Academy Award for Best uh, Song in a Musical. And he basically just mingled her name and called her Adele Dazim instead of um, Idina Menzel. And he was squinting, so I, he couldn't read the the cue cards or, or whatever. We're not sure exactly what happened. But what I love about it is instantaneously, in, instantaneously, there was obviously a meme that was going on on Twitter, but the folks at Slate actually created this app. And, uh, you know, again, we're only three days out from this. And on Facebook, it's been shared over 325,000 times. And this app has been tweeted about over 45,000 times. So not anywhere near Ellen's selfie, but Still, I mean, just amazing um, coverage on this, and it, it is it is pretty funny. And you know, sorry for John that he's the butt of the jokes here, but I love this term, Travoltified. I think it's great. Well, and also not also the first time he's been the butt of a joke either. So he'll get over it. That guy's Very like true. he has like a Teflon career. Well, if you're the Oscars, and if you're the Oscars, don't you love this year? For heaven's sakes, I mean, has there been yeah. any Oscars that's been this talked about? You know, days after the event and had so many, you know, tweetable, Facebookable, shareable moments. Yeah. The fodder has been phenomenal from, and just everything. And again, like you said, Ellen was just right, right there in the middle of everything, stirring it up with the crowd, the pizza, everything. I mean, it was just a really hands-on kind of in the moment event. Can you imagine? I, I mean, I have to believe that they're on the phone right now trying to get Jimmy Fallon to host this thing next year. Oh, I mean, no kidding. Talk about uh, you get social and with, with the success no of the Tonight Show, you can only imagine where it would go from there. Did you, yeah. did you see his um, little um, kids? I don't, he calls it, I think it's yes, the kids. The, the toy, toy instruments. The toy instruments. Yeah, yes, exactly. that was funny. <laughs> that well, was he's, hilarious. He's doing, a, he's doing a great job. Uh, he, he's really uh, taken that yeah, show. Yeah, we've got to get somebody on his, his show. About yeah, that that's a good idea. Yeah, the social media lead for his show. That's a great idea. Yeah, we'll work on that. Okay, let's uh, steer it back to our friend Greg from WestJet for the big two questions uh, section of the podcast. Greg, question number one. What one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro? Um, I think the the best tip I can give uh, in the, in the world of social media these days is there's a million people applying all the time for all the different jobs. Is that if you can't get experience with a big or small company, uh, volunteer your time with a not for profit to learn how social media works within the. St- structure of an organization because I think it'll really help set you apart from other people who apply for a job who 
all tend to be amazing social media users on their own social accounts, but you have to have something unique. So I think that's the best tip I can give. That's outstanding. That's a really good answer and one that we have never even come close to having that on the show. So thank you for that. That's terrific. Second question and our last one for Greg Hounslow, Emerging Media Advisor at WestJet. If you're up in Canada or flying to or through Canada, look those folks up. I can't promise that you'll get a uh, a surprise Christmas gift, but uh, you will enjoy yourself. Uh, Greg, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Um, I think for this one, I'd have to uh, choose Commander Chris Hadfield, who, if you don't know, uh, is a Canadian astronaut who was the commander of the International Space Station last year um, for for a period of time. Um, he really brought social media space, or I guess really he he brought space into the forefront of social media. Um, his his content was amazing. He shared unique photos. He had really fun and instructional videos and. Uh, updates that really get you thinking about the world in a different way. And I think I'd love to have a Skype call with him because I'm sure that he'd have some awesome stories to tell. And I think he'd be a very interesting person to chat with. Somebody else we had to try and get on the show. That would be really fantastic. Tweeting from space. So now we've got uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, social media person uh, and Commander Chris Hatfield, a Canadian uh, famous astronaut. Uh, we'll work on those in the future. Greg, thanks so much for being on the podcast. You were terrific. I really appreciate your insights and your candor. You're doing a fantastic job uh, at WestJet. We will continue to uh, to pay attention and uh, and keep tabs on you. We'll link up all the exciting videos and other success stories uh, on the blog post as well. Jeff, uh, who's on the big podcast next week? Uh, in keeping with our Canadian theme, Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> if we could pull that off, uh, that would be... What are those... What are, what are those guys doing these days? Greg, you probably know. What are they up to these days? You're Canadian. Um, they're they're. I think they're enjoying their retirement now. They'll come out for cameos here and there, but uh, they're mostly. I figured they'd be playing like casinos or something, you know, like uh, yeah. in the starlight in the starlight lounge at three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe I, I got to go figure out if uh, Netflix is streaming Strange Brew. I think <laughs> I wore a hole in that VHS when I was a kid, and I need, boy. I need to watch that again. There's probably I a lot of people. I learned about Canadian culture. Yeah, I'm sure they're so proud. There's a lot of people I'm sure who are like, what are you talking about? We'll have to make sure we link that up in the uh, in the show uh, post as well. People are like, who's Bob and Doug McKenzie? What's strange brew? Uh, we're, so, showing our, we're showing our age, aren't we? Yes, yes. The <laughs> younger non-comedians. Yeah, that's it. Cultural depth and knowledge. That's, that's right. The way to say it. That's there right. you go. Actually, though, it's not Bob and Doug McKenzie. Next week's guest on Social Pros is Becky Carroll, um, who is a uh, social media director at PwC, formerly known as PricewaterhouseCooper. And she's going to talk about uh, social business and customer experience and how it intersects uh, with social media. She is one sharp cookie. So that will be a very interesting conversation. So until then, I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Jeff Rohr. She is Zena Weiss. This has been Greg Hounslow from WestJet. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company. <laughs>